today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Still lots going on in Washington. Finally, after months and months, I was going to say of negotiation, of stalling, I guess some, some people might want to classify it. Uh, top uh, Capitol Hill negotiators have finally sealed a deal on Sunday for almost a $1 trillion COVID-19 economic relief packages, and uh, not a moment too soon either. Uh, joining us to talk about this and uh, a few other things happening uh, down in the Beltway is uh, Reggie Cicchini. Reggie, of course, is Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Uh, Reggie, so good to have you back in the program. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Let me ask you, first of all, about the relief package. Uh, as I say, this was not really a serious negotiation for a long, long time. I mean, Mitch McConnell had the initial uh, congressional bill, uh, the HEROES Act, of course, uh, sitting in a desk drawer someplace, and uh, they didn't seem to have any desire at all to negotiate. What got them back to the table so quickly, Reggie? Uh, the simple fact that this, co- uh, this uh, COVID relief bill was uh, tied to the omnibus government spending bill, uh, and without one, the other would fail. And if one of them failed, then there was a likelihood here that the U.S. would go back into a full shutdown like we saw a couple of years ago that lasted through Christmas and through January. So there was this kind of urgent need to ensure that the government had enough money to spend over the next year. They tied COVID-19 relief to that, and in doing so, kept the government open and started issuing checks or will start issuing checks to Americans who are desperately needing them. Yeah, because it's just for, to remind our listeners, I guess uh, the relief packages, such as they were uh, for uh, average Americans down there, uh, my understanding, Reggie, is most of them, if they have not run out, we're going to run out by the end of this month. Yeah, uh, employment benefits were expected mm-hmm. to uh, to disappear the day after Christmas. What this new benefit is going to do is extend those unemployment benefits through the middle of March before they disappear once again. But even still, Democrats are saying, look, we got this bill passed. Uh, and it's still not going to be enough. It provides $600 one-time checks for individuals uh, who are earning up to $75,000 a year, $1,200 for a couple, uh, $600 for their individual uh, dependents. But at the end of the day, you know, these are people who have been going months and months and months now without any kind of paycheck. A lot of them are running out uh, of employment or, or, or simply aren't, you know, are draining their own resources. And $600 really isn't going to, to kind of fix anything here, especially when it's been months since they received those those checks earlier this year. The other element to this that I'm hearing a lot about, and maybe you could clarify this for us, uh, is the original HEROES Act that was passed by the, well, the democratically uh, run uh, Congress now, uh, actually had relief there for, for municipalities, for cities and states, and apparently uh, this one that is, is about to become law does not. Yeah, look, the Democrats had to kind of give up a couple of things to be able to get this passed, and you're right, funding for state governments, funding for local governments was a big part of what Democrats were looking for, and it's simply because they said that they had exhausted their resources in trying to ensure uh, that they were COVID-prepared and trying to deal with all of the incurred costs that came with uh, with the pandemic and the economic stress that was put on these individual states uh, and economies. Republicans simply didn't want that. These are, are oftentimes the party who are kind of tight to the purse, and they didn't want to provide extra money, especially when the when the president had been kind of pushing back, saying that blue states, uh, you know, didn't do things appropriately and wanted to ensure that the money wasn't going to Democratic states. Now, on the flip side, Republicans were also uh, forced to make some concessions here. They were looking for liability protection for companies if somebody was forced to go to work and came down with COVID-19. Uh, they had to give that up. So that's not in this bill. So it was a bit of a give and take. But it's part of the reason that it took so long to get where we are. Reggie, what, if anything, did the uh, the runoff election in Georgia have to do with uh, the expediency of, of uh, this bill and Mitch McConnell actually paying attention to it? 
Well, look, this is, this is a big deal uh, in general because, A, you know, this, this runoff election is going to be the ultimate decider as to who uh, has the, the ultimate control and power in Washington, whether it's split between Republicans and Democrats or if Democrats take these, whether or not they get full control over everything with Kamala Harris being a deciding vote in a 50-50 split Senate. Uh, and so th- there was a, a, an urgency to get this done, uh, but also, you know, j- just kind of playing into where the country is right now uh, in its division. President Trump, you know, not doing much to try and help the Georgia election, but at the same time doing what he can to help the Georgia election. Uh, but also with the fact that, you know, a good number of people in this country who need this money are also Republicans. So, you know, it all kind of it's it, it individualized, but it all kind of ties together here uh, that in the middle of an election, after an election, COVID is still COVID and this money needed to head out. Yeah, because there, there were some stories circulating that, that McConnell's motivation in part may well have been the fact that uh, I guess the polling in the in the two runoff uh, Senate seats there is very, very close. And as you say, if he loses control of the Senate, uh, he's, uh, he becomes a non-entity, I guess, in Washington, pretty much. And uh, if, if I, with McConnell, I guess, as you've been reporting over the years, Reggie, uh, it's all about the power, isn't it? It's all about having the, the hammer there in the Senate. It is about having that hammer, and it's about having the, or at least over the last four years for McConnell, it's been about having the ear of the president, but even that relationship uh, is now being strained. Look, it was just, you know, not more than a couple of weeks ago that Mitch McConnell was on the floor of the Senate and publicly acknowledged that the country is moving forward, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the president and vice president-elect. That is something that is now sticking uh, uh, on the president's shoulder right now. He passed around, or at least the White House passed around a slide last night that's essentially kind of cutting the relationship between Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Trump saying, look, I helped you out in what appeared to be a struggling early part of your reelection campaign a few months ago. That Now you're walking away from me. For a president where loyalty is absolute uh, uh, kind of certain for what you need in order to kind of continue on in your political career under Trump, uh, Mitch McConnell has broken that, and we're now seeing what happens as a result of that. The president is going after him. What's going on in the White House these days? Uh, there's a lot of stories about people, as you say, bailing on the president right now. I know that what, I read one story over the weekend. Uh, when they were referring to who's left in the White House right now, and they said basically the Kool-Aid drinkers and next of kin, uh, which is a rather stark explanation, I guess. But uh, it's, it's a, a lot of people that were in his corner have left, haven't they? They have, uh, and that, you know, it might be a stark assessment of what's happening in the White House, uh, but, but it is, it's, it's kind of a, a good picture, uh, as to what, what we all see right now. Look, even the president's legal team is starting to have fears about the people that the president, uh, is surrounding himself with, or at least giving an ear to. You know, one of the presidents or the White House, uh, uh legal team, Pat Cipollone, is actually, uh, fearful right now for what the president is doing, especially when he's bringing people like Sidney Powell, uh, and Michael Flynn in to get their advice on how to move forward with possibly overturning the election. This is something that is really fracturing the Republican Party right now. Uh, and there's a fear inside the White House that if the president kind of goes on with these, you know, quote unquote, crackpot theories that are being pitched towards him, uh, that there could be some kind of detrimental impact to just the democracy of this country. Uh, so there is kind of concern for who is left inside the White House, because for the most part, it's not the people who have been surrounding themselves with the president for the last several months. It's interesting. Uh, the, the two people you just mentioned there are both people, of course, that, uh, that Trump separated himself with. Flynn, of course, when he was, was charged some time ago, but he has since pardoned him. Uh, but Sidney Powell's an interesting case, too. She was part of the uh, Giuliani legal team that started all these uh, court challenges, I guess, to the elections uh, the week after. Uh, and he basically uh, jettisoned her as well. But she's back in the fold now and, and, and apparently has his ear. 
she, look, she does have the president's ear, and, and it's because even Rudy Giuliani, for, for all the kind of uh, intense conspiracies and theories that he's been pushing for the last several months, he ultimately does see the writing on the wall, especially understanding how many of these attempts uh, of these legal challenges have just simply failed over the last couple of months, and they're essentially up against a wall that's not going to crumble down. Uh, Sidney Powell is pushing theories that are, are beyond you know, bonkers, uh, and, and the president's <laughs> listening to them because these are the final few straws. And, and if they're willing to hand that straw to the president, he's willing to take it because he does not want to give up the power that he has held for the last four years, whether it's because he sees himself as some kind of absolute and should have power going forward, you know, you know, without end to it, but also fearful that anything could happen once he's out of the White House when he loses that protection of the Oval Office. So he is doing what he can listening to whomever he can get to talk to him, uh, even if the theories are, are bizarre, uh, because these are last-ditch efforts, and, and he's simply out of options. Well, it's the, it's the bunker mentality, I guess, that's uh, troubling an awful lot of people now, and I, I, there's a lot of speculation as to what he's going to do next, uh, not just vis-a-vis the election, but, uh, you know, uh, on the global stage as well. I mean, he still has the nuclear codes, he still has the power of the President of the United States for the next 29 days, right? Yeah, he does have that power for the next 29 days, and there is a fear that he could do something that could potentially either create an unstable ground under the incoming administration, possibly go ahead and fire more people or install more people into departments to try and get uh, some last-ditch effort things done. Look, we have a new attorney general coming into the Justice Department uh, when Bill Barr exits uh, what I believe is tomorrow. Uh, and, and there's, you know, a question here is what is the president going to try and force Maine justice to do uh, when it comes to possibly looking into investigations into Hunter Biden, into the claims of election fraud, even though they don't exist? Bill Barr pushed back on both of these yesterday. Does the president use whatever power he has over the acting attorney general now to change the course over the, la- uh, the you know, the final 29 days of his presidency? This is kind of an uncharted and, and day by day discovery that we're going to be going through. That was one of the most interesting revelations, though. I'm glad you brought that up, Reggie, about Bill Barr's statements yesterday. Uh, he, of course, has maintained for the last few weeks that there was uh, there's no hanky-panky going on with the election itself, and I know that that irritated the president. But yesterday, his uh, his statement that there was no need for a, an investigation into Hunter Biden, uh, been there, done that, uh, that's not the kind of Bill Barr that we knew saw for the last two and a half years or so. Uh, and that's that must have rankled the, the president to hear his right-hand man, essentially, uh, basically jump ship on him yeah look even the president uh yesterday phoned into uh, a conference uh, of young republicans and really kind of pushed back on uh what bill barr had said saying something along the lines of uh you know we need people in the justice department to finally step up and it's because what the president saw was the department of justice who was supposed to be the top law enforcement agent of the country uh, broke away from what it has been over the last several years as being you know almost a personal attorney for the president, uh, and to see the attorney general now back away and say, look, we told you once before, there is no uh, uh, evidence of any election fraud, yet you're continuing to push these conspiracies. We're stepping away from that now. Uh, and it, 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 it's that break with what the president is used to that is really starting to rattle his nerves. What cards does he have left to play here, Reggie, vis-a-vis the election results? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess in uh, trying to figure out just whether he's this is all a big act for him or actually truly believes that that the election was stolen from him but he's running out of cards i i guess there can still be court challenges but i mean he's had no success with those but there is a play on on, i guess it's january the 6th uh where there has to be a ratification of the electoral college vote 
Yeah, look, this is all about spectacle right now. The president is is quite literally out of options for things to do. And and when Congress re, uh, when Congress convenes on January sixth to swear in the new Congress, they have to tally the votes from the electoral college and ultimately make the decision uh, to 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 certify that vote. It's kind of a constitutional thing to go forward with. Uh, and there is nothing that is going to happen that is going to undo the results. Uh, you know, Republicans met at the White House last night, some of the fringe Republicans with the president to try and, you know, figure out a plan to gum up the process uh, by slowing things down and forcing a debate. But there is simply not enough support, both within the Republican side of the Senate, but within the Democratic House majority to overturn these results so they can delay this. They can sow further confusion uh, into the electoral process, but it's not going to do anything. So this is simply just for showmanship at this point and for President Trump to show that he does still have a strong arm within the Republican Party and that when he's gone, he'll still be able to pull the strings for at least the next couple of years, if not through 2024, if he decides to run again. It's a rather strange rule, too, isn't it? As I understood it uh, from your previous reporting, if just one congressman and one senator uh, object to to the Electoral College slate and, and the vote, uh, it has to go to what they call a review. But that's only going to delay for a day or two, isn't it? Yeah, it'll delay you know, a maximum of 72 hours uh, if they have to go through uh, a number of hours of debate and five minutes per speaker, and there are X number of hundreds of, of speakers in the House. It's going to delay things, but it's not going to... Uh, to change what the outcome is. And ultimately what this is going to come to is that ultimate betrayal in the eyes of Donald Trump, because the person who leads the Senate in a joint session of Congress is the vice president. And Mike Pence is going to have to follow his predecessors and stand up and ultimately say that there were 306 or 305 votes for Joe Biden, and he is going to become the next president. And that is going to be the, the final knife in the back to President Trump when his vice president can no longer stand with these conspiracy theories and, and, and kind of endless efforts, and he has no choice but to say Joe Biden has won, uh, that will be the kind of final curtain uh, uh, for President Trump at that moment. And as you were reporting on Global over the weekend, uh, the I guess the House leader for the Republicans in the Congress is one of those Trump loyalists. But Mitch McConnell, of course, is the, is the head of the Republican in the Senate. And he's pretty much uh, given the marching orders to his, uh, his Republican senators, hasn't he, to just back off and let this happen? Yeah, look, if, like we said a couple of weeks ago when he acknowledged that Joe Biden won, that the Electoral College made their decision uh, and that America was going to move forward with, uh, with a new president and with a new vice president, he has tried to kind of whip the caucus in shape by saying, look, this is not going to be a party-wide effort. We as Republicans are going to say uh, and understand and accept the fact that the country is moving forward. But you have to think, if there are any of these fringe senators and Republican senators that go against what the majority of the party is, you know, it may look good for those couple of minutes uh, in front of Donald Trump or within those waning weeks of the Trump presidency. But these people are now going to be forced to work in the Senate, especially if they're new senators for the next two, four, six years uh, with, with, with their, their colleagues who weren't in that uh, same boat as them. And this is simply going to cause a further divide amongst the Republican Party uh, and could really show a fracture uh, if they maintain control as to how they're going to continue to legislate. These are some dangerous waters that people are walking into. Uh, weird times, troubling times in Washington. Always great to have you down there with your perspective on this. Reggie, thanks so much for this today. Thanks. Happy holidays. And to you, too, Reggie Cicchini, of course, Global News down in Washington, uh, following uh, what some people are describing as a sideshow down there from the White House, but some pretty serious uh, government business that needs to be done as well. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.